So are you in what they consider NASCAR country? Oh, absolutely. I'm in the heart of it, where it was all born, Mooresville, North Carolina, where 80% of all the NASCAR teams are. What? What? I know the, the story a little bit behind, and I know we're on, obviously, Righty Tidy Lefty Lucy with the great Hal Schaefer here at Crescent Presents, Righty Tidy Lefty Lucy on the Foul Life podcast series. We're talking NASCAR. Crescent um, and other members of their family are part of NASCAR. They participate in NASCAR. We're going to talk to Hal a little bit because we've been having some experience in NASCAR, but why? I understand the origins, Hal Schaefer, that moonshining back in the day, running cars in Georgia, the the Dixie Mafia, they called it. You had all the all the illegal running and then, and then prohibition and all this. I know that, that the, the story goes that NASCAR was born in that part of the country, but why would 80% of the, 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 the race teams be located in that general area that you're at? Well, it's where the technology started. And you have to realize, let's go back. You, you mentioned moonshine and prohibition. Wilkes County, North Carolina, the number one producing moonshine county in the whole world uh, because of all of its freshwater uh, springs that were coming out of the, the brushy mountains and the foothills of the Appalachians. And these guys, the Junior Johnsons and all this, they used to all learn the tricks for for hopping up these cars and, and, and making these cars fast. Because back then, if you get out run the cop car, you won. That's it. Because there wasn't all the technology back then. So it was all about speed. And, and also they didn't make them look like hot rods, right? These cars look like old jalopies. So it would keep the, the, the police and the sheriffs and the constables and all them at bay trying to figure out which cars were actually moonshine cars. And so that technology of making these cars handle on these gravel and dirt roads, uh, how to make the weight transfer, all this was leading to NASCAR and they didn't even know it. Um, how to make the engines faster, all this in the early stages of NASCAR, that's what it was all about. There wasn't very many limitations back then. And so that, that's where it started. And then it was born, NASCAR was born right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, in that area. So that's where the home offices were for the first part. And that was the where the biggest crowds were. That's where everybody loved racing. This was a dirt track racing. This was the center of the world. Here in the Southeast and the Northeast is basically where dirt track was born. Then it migrated out to the West and Midwest, um, out through there. But since the technology started here and then resources built around the race team where people could source parts and, and everything else, it became just this huge nucleus and it didn't pay to live away from here. It was too expensive to get parts and they were out of the information trail and the information circle. So all the testing facilities were right here. They wind tunnels, uh, all this, the motor builders were right here. So that's why still to this day, this is Mooresville, North Carolina is the nucleus for NASCAR. Has NASCAR had a lot of success? And I know that the, the easy answer is yes. At one time it was the second most viewed sport in the world i think only behind soccer european football but i mean there's vegas there's sonoma there's texas races there's phoenix like, there's races in a lot of different parts of the country now a lot of them are still daytona and talladega and carolina and charleston charleston and 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 what you just mentioned in north carolina but has it had success moving across the country do they see the same support in live races that they do at those southern contests if you will well, there's a, you know, as with anything, even with us, buddy, in the outdoors, the trends go up and down, right? Well, NASCAR, in their own admission, started moving out west, and they started getting rid of some of the tracks in the southeast 
who where NASCAR was born supported where their core group was, but NASCAR wanted diversity that NASCAR wanted to attract new fans. They, they wanted to continue to build on that demographic to make it larger, to make it not such a, as small a pond. Um, and it hurt them. It, it hurt them in some ways and helped them in others. Um, but the trend is as of late, um, the trend's been going back up. NASCAR had, some rule packages that didn't make the sport as competitive and everything else. But if you want to ask me if the West coast tracks are as successful as the tracks in the Southeast and the Northeast, absolutely not. No, you, to this day, these are still the best supported from Alabama, Daytona, Charlotte, Bristol, Martinsville. I mean, you, you, you go up, I mean, it, uh, Poconos, all these tracks are still, the best live coverage um, uh, or the best television coverage of most watched and the most attendance. So it has stayed true to its, to its roots. Now, has it spread out some, have they gained new people? Absolutely. I mean, that in, in a, some sense it worked for them. Now they're just modifying. They're finding out, you know, Hey, we, we may have went away here, but we should bring some of this back big announcement to tell you where they actually admitted that they, they may have abandoned some of their core group was if you remember North Wilkesboro raceway, Wilkesboro, that was one of the greatest little short tracks in the world. Well, that's been closed a long time. Well, infrastructure of North Carolina put several million dollars into that track. Dale jr. Went up there. They held a, a late model race here. It sold out. I mean, it was absolutely sold out in minutes lines out the you know what nobody could get in there dale jarrett actually i mean uh dale jr actually raced in it um and uh it, it was a giant success so what did nascar see they saw an attendance and ticket sales like they don't see anywhere else so now they've announced that next year that they're going to have their bush race there so where they had it at the coliseum last year they're going to have it at North Wilkesboro this year. So it's, it's just cool. I mean, it's, it's, they're bringing a race back there that makes it, uh, that met, that really made a lot of people in the Carolinas happy because a lot of ours, Rockingham got shut totally down. Darlington only has one race a year. North Wilkesboro got shut down. And as you see this, the people around here started feeling abandoned by NASCAR and some of the old guys, the, the, the original fans of NASCAR, they just started migrating away. They felt betrayed. But with the changes in the cars, they're seeing the better competition, the tracks coming back, NASCAR is definitely on the move up. Now, you teach me something about marketing, Hal Schaefer, if you will. You put Crescent on a NASCAR. Let's just say you're on a quarter panel. Um, the deliverables in the money that is asked in a sport like NASCAR, and it can get spendy for a sponsor. Where is the ROI on this for a company like Crescent when the cars are going 200 miles an hour? I'm not trying to sound dumb here. I, I assume it's in appearances and websites and online stuff with like including social media and digital. But are the fans that are there, are you making impressions on a viewer at Talladega when when Kyle Larson's going 198 or 205, whatever they're going miles an hour? Are these sponsors really getting anything out of being on that car? Oh, absolutely. And the reason being is um, outdoor, the outdoors, the outdoors, us, right? The the outdoor world. Um, We have the second most loyal fan group in the world who supports companies that support the outdoors, like Crescent. That is second only to NASCAR who is the most loyal demographic to the supporters of NASCAR. It is unbelievable. I mean, you know, you look at Mars, they, they just left after, I don't know. I, I, I truly don't know. I think it's close to three decades. It was 30 years. Yep. You're talking yeah, about M&Ms, right? Yeah. Yeah. Spending 20 million plus dollars a year to be a NASCAR and said it was their greatest form of advertising they ever did. Right. So they branded their product to a certain level to where they don't feel like, they can reach any higher peaks, but NASCAR certainly it, 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 you got to be smart, right? The you you pick a driver that has 
a big fan base if you're smart. Like that's what that's when when Apex Tools, who owns Crescent, Gear Ranch, and a few other companies, decided they wanted to get into NASCAR. Lo and behold, here we are, Stuart Hoss Racing. My buddy Zippy, who hosts Drop Zone TV, owns Drop Zone TV, and my longtime friend is the VP of competition there at Stuart Hoss Racing. And what Stuart Hoss did for Gear Wrench was absolutely amazing. They they changed the whole the whole the building area inside the shop. So now it's the Gear Wrench shop. Gear Wrench is on all the walls. Gear Wrench is on everything. They're, all their cars on display out front. They do appearances. You you look at this. Tony Stewart has a thirty million dollar home in Indiana that has every kind of animal on it in the world in a 30 acre lake and a trout stream running through his living room. Tony Stewart's one of the most loved drivers ever in NASCAR. You know what came along with that NASCAR sponsorship that a bunch of Crescent people, a bunch of gear rich people, a bunch of their, their best customers all went and spent a couple days at Tony's ranch. Now, where are you going to get that in a sponsorship, right? On top. And then they get the right to use certain logos, branding abilities. They get, and here's the biggest thing that NASCAR does better than anybody else, activation. You know what activation is. I know what activation is. That's Gear Wrench or Crescent being there at the track, handing out koozies, handing out this with uh, products to give away and, and all this stuff to get it in people's hands. And that's something that nobody else can do the way NASCAR does it. Football can't do it, can't do it because people don't have access to the players. You got to look at this. People have the most access to drivers, to the stars of the sport, to NASCAR more than any other sport in the world. Therefore, people feel very hands-on. You know, as well as I do, buddy, you've been doing this a long time, just like me. I pick up a wrench and I and it's hanging on a shelf in, a, in Lowe's, let's say. Somebody walks by it, it's an inanimate object right? It's just, it's just an object. And then it's a price shop. You take somebody like a Kevin Harvick, a Tony Stewart, and a Greg Zipidelli, you take these people and put it in their hands who have fans that love them and, and, and they develop a relationship and understand that that's a, a branded product that they support. Okay. Then they develop a relationship with those people, with, with the, with their stars. And when you go to the shelf, when they see that crescent, that relationship, transfers over we no longer have an inanimate object we have a product that we have a relationship they think about tony stewart being goofy or, or kevin being fast on the thing or, or tony being funny or, or 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 zippy telling people how to make their stuff go faster and explaining it on 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 tv or radio or anything else all this stuff compels people to buy that product because they established a relationship with the brand through the race team so that's why that's the secret and the magic. Never mind TV. I mean, literally, the impressions are in the billions of for impressions in TV. And it's just it's expensive. But yes, if if the company, there's a lot of companies that got in NASCAR that didn't get in, didn't understand how NASCAR worked and didn't understand activation and, and didn't understand how to how to really use the personalities and implement the spend of their money better that it didn't work for. But the companies that understood it, the people that did the research, the piece of people that listen to the teams, they're, they're, they're the ones that know the best. The marketing people on NASCAR are extremely smart, especially the ones on these teams. They learned, and those companies, you see there year after year after year. When you, when you start thinking about other spins and you and you keep that same theme Hal, about loyal audiences that support the brands that support culture we stress that a lot in what we do we don't want to get caught up and always say and this tv show is brought to you by and don't forget to wear this camo and don't forget to use this shotgun well i want to mean like hey there is a reason why we're using that shotgun. They support what we do. This coffee, co this coffee company, this grill company, they support the outdoors and the second amendment and our right and privilege, not just a privilege, but our right to hunt 
and put food on the table. So when you start looking elsewhere, and you already mentioned the outdoor hunting and fishing camping audience, and then you have NASCAR, and then you guys get into MMA. Are there studies done that show that the MMA crowd, which I would assume, not knowing any better, I would assume that it's a younger crowd. You're trying to get that younger money now through the MMA audience, but now you're trying to ask that money spender at Lowe's to think the same thing that Clay Guida, Chad Money Mendez is in bare knuckle boxing, knocks the guy out in the fourth round. They watch it on pay-per-view. Now they're like, oh, I remember Chad. He had Crescent on his shorts and on, on, his, on his ring banner. So it's kind of, you're asking that younger generation to do the same thing now? Yeah, so let's look at, let's, let's look at MMA. Let's look at outdoor and let's look at NASCAR. Apex tool did not pick those three demographics by accident. They all complement each other. Right. And, but what it does is that age went from six from, from the outdoors, which was a 28 to 62 age, which is pretty wide. And then you go to NASCAR and it's a 34 to 62. And then you go to MMA, which is, more like a, a 15, 16, up to about a 38 to 45. So what they did is they widened that age group. And MMA has the second largest Hispanic audience of any sport next to soccer. People don't realize that. So with Crescent, who was really big in DIY stuff, construction, the, the top line of construction tools and carpentry tools in the world, that had the most exclusive line, the most advanced line of any other maker out there. It, it, it's so comprehensive, you wouldn't believe it. They definitely want to reach the people, the Hispanic group, who's building the majority of the construction, the home building, the, uh, the, the add-ons, the garages, and stuff like that. So you get your professional and your younger audience from MMA, and then you go to the outdoors, and that's your number one DIYer. Outdoors, you know yourself, Chad. You, you'll go out. And go work on like when I get done here, when I get done with this podcast, I'm going to grab my crescent tools. I'm going out there and I'm going to change the oil on my players, change the belt on my players. I'm going to do all that work right there in my driveway because that's who we are, right? We're the hands-on people, right? We go fix our own fences. We add, we build our own decks. We do our own add additions inside our house. The majority of us have done that our whole life, where we are uh, the jack of all trades, master of none, but we can get it done. And that's the reason for the outdoor. We are the ultimate end user. Well, NASCAR, well, when you go to NASCAR, it shares a lot of that scene with us. A lot of NASCAR people you know are outdoor people, big time. We've seen some pretty good MMA fights right in the pits. <laughs> so <laughs> we, just saw, we just saw some this weekend, come on. Um, so, um, but, but then you get into that technology group. NASCAR is, has grown. So there's a lot of technology people. The engineering in NASCAR is unbelievable on how they make these cars fast, on how they get downforce on this fender, but not this fender. And they have to do it around the rules that NASCAR presents them, or how they make the weight transfer from, from, from wheel to wheel when they go into a corner to give, give them the ultimate grip to get them through the corner so it don't push, so, it, so it's not loose, just to try to make it right. Oh, that's engineering and all oh, that's technology. So with that, Crescent picks up technology, DIYers, end users, professional, youth. That's why those three are their focus groups right now and, and why it's been so successful for their growth. Is Crescent um, a 100% dealer company or are they, um, are they available online where you can buy directly off of a Crescent website? No, you can, you can buy their stuff just like anybody else's electronically, uh, you know, they are uh, a big brick and mortar store, but yet you, but you can still buy them online. Um, they, they've covered all the spaces, right? Um, I, I think that there was this, uh, I saw this thing today, Chad, you're going to love this. We have to, we have to understand the changing environment, especially our kids, right? Because they're going to be the buyers of this stuff in the future. I saw this thing today that said, if you don't believe that kids 50 years ago were smarter than kids today, then why in an owner's manual of a car 50 years ago did they put in there how to change the valves, instructions on how to change the valves? And in 
2023 in the owner manual, it cautions you not to drink the fluid from a battery. (laughs) (laughs) So they know what's going on. I mean, when I read that, I about fell out, but the sad thing is, oh, Lord knows, it's pretty true. Um, so we are, we 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 do, uh, and when you talk about outdoors, NASCAR, MMA, you look at Chad, he's a big outdoorsman, right? Uh, Clay, he's a big outdoorsman. Even Jesse Jess, she loves and wants to get into hunting. She has that drive. All these demographics marry together very well. Right. And this demographic also is the ones that are more likely to spend time with their children, will spend more time with their children than any other demographic. Therefore, that means their influences on what they buy and what they use and and their activities they have are more likely to affect their children than any other demographic out there. So it's it's pretty in depth. So as a whole, when you start talking about an iconic brand like Crescent and they're, and they have all of these different touch points in the, in the consumer base that they are attracting. Do you see, uh, when you start talking about short-term and midterm and long-term goals, how, when you're in these meetings and these marketing meetings and these forecasting meetings, do they really center in like, this is the future for the next, how long, like this NASCAR, this outdoors, this MMA thing, or are they already thinking 10 years ahead to where they're thinking, oh, well, we got to go after, we have to go after this market now. And we're already going to get ready for this because it's on the radar. I wish I could predict that because I'd be a rich man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah big time yeah but you know they i will promise you this for as long as it's working and 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 if we can keep our our current economy that is struggling off of a bad administration um if we can keep that stable until things turn around i'm gonna say that it's been pretty darn successful we've seen some pretty good numbers come out in roi from what they're doing but you know, you talk about Crescent Tool. Let, let's 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 talk about Crescent Tool for a minute. They've introduced more new products, more innovation than all the other tool companies combined. And for everybody in the outdoors, I know you guys love your outdoors and you want it to, to continue to grow. You need to focus. And I'm not talking about just Crescent. I'm not talking about just Gear Ranch. I'm talking about all the companies. A company like Crescent that's spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in the outdoors to reach you guys. Those are the companies that we need to support, right? Um, Those are the companies that we really, really need to get behind because they're putting money into our sport to ensure that it's there for everybody. And I think that that's so important for the listener out there that is in the market for a, a, a new product and right now we're specifically talking tools how right. big how big i want to just look at this real quick um i don't know if i can find it or not and i'm just going to ask you and then i'm going to see if you know what you're talking about hal shaver how big of industry is tools now is that broken down into power tools is that broken down into a lawnmower versus a crescent see, wrench hand tools you've hand got power tool. tools and we're fortunate to have two companies that support the outdoors power tools with Matabo HPT and then Crescent with uh, all their hand tools and Apex tools who makes multiple brands under that thing. No, do I know how big the industry, the total industry is for hand tools? No, I do not. Um, I do not know that number. Um, never been asked the number, to be honest with you. But it, it, it's all, it, to me, it comes down to loyalty. And, but, the thing with Crescent that makes the decision so easy, have you used any Crescent tools that didn't overachieve and do their job? Not once. No, I mean, I, I, that's the thing about their products. You, you put it in your hand and, and just holding it and looking at it, you can tell, man, they poured the quality into these products. Those, hey, those Swiss shears, oh my God. Unbelievable. I, I have them on every hunt. They, they, they're great for caping animals, for field dressing animals, for, uh, I mean, for cutting leather, for cutting wood, for cutting plastic. That's the sharpest pair of scissors. They're titanium coated. I can't make them go dull. I cut through a five gallon bucket 
with one like I was cutting through just a regular piece of plastic. Yeah, I mean, they're awesome. You take another pair of scissors and try to cut a five-gallon bucket, and they do the old split thing. They turn sideways. They can't do it. There is no, no scissors or cutting apparatus made like whisk. They're no man on turkey hunts, Canada goose hunts, and call in uh, New York the last couple weeks when you're cutting the necks and the legs and everything. Those things are it's it's perfect for boning too. Just like you know, oh, if yeah. I'm gonna if I'm gonna pluck a full body turkey for a fry or I'm gonna do a goose. Um, I'm reading right now, Hal Schaefer, that in 2020, 4.44 billion in hand tools. Um, That's a good market. In 2025, the forecast is almost six billion for hand tools. So what does that tell us? It's growing. Here's the one thing that tells us that we all learned. COVID was a, a huge disaster. But as the good Lord tells us, there's always a silver lining and there's always a purpose. What, what the good Lord did, because he don't will all, but he knows all, right? When COVID came in, it grounded a lot of people and we realized we had gotten away from the things that truly families need to do. We spent more time at home together. We spent time in our natural resources, out in the woods, out in parks, camping together, out away from everybody. Everybody got a taste of slowing down the speed of the world. And people also figured out, hey, I'm at home. I could probably do this. And it was the number one um, YouTube search for how to was DIY home stuff during COVID. And, and Lowe's had record sales, Home Depot had record sales, Crescent had record sales. All these companies had record sales. Well, people bought all these tools, they're not throwing them away. And during challenging times and with fuel prices going up and everything else, people are gonna still be at home doing projects themselves, uh, feeling, because when you finish a project, don't you feel proud? Don't you feel good about yourself? There's not a lot of feel good things to do right now. You know, no. I, I, I often admit, I wish I was handier. I wish I love the idea of building and what, exactly what you're describing that, that fulfillment that you get. It's like an ecstasy of like, man, I want to do that again. And I wish that I would have taken more time as a younger man to become even more handier around things like, like your sign behind you that we're about to get into the renovation hunters. Like I watch these DIY shows and these house flippers and the revenue that they're doing. And, you know, and I know it's not as easy as everything looks on TV, but, <laughs> but, um, I think it's really a great way to get a ton out of life to do it yourself. Like you said, just going out on your Polaris when you're done with this conversation, that's everything. That's, I wish I could say the same, being totally transparent. My Polaris isn't ready for that yet. But when I do it, I was thinking, man, I'm going to take Hal's advice and I'm going to do it myself instead of thinking, well, if I'm not doing this on my phone and trying to get this business going, then I'm, you know, I, I don't really have time to go change my own belts and my own oil because I'm going to do that. I'm going to leave that to somebody that has mastered that. And, but exactly. now I, now at this time in my life in my mid forties, I want to be like, man, I can do that. I did that. I mean, I got a guy, you know, Nick Hoffman. He's, yeah. he's, he's flying jets. Uh, Jamie, John, Jamie Johnson, the great country music singer songwriters. He flies himself to every concert. He just got his, he just got his instruments license. Like I look at this stuff and I'm like, man, there's a lot more that we can be doing. And I want to become a little bit more studious and I want to become a little bit more handy at, at yeah. this point in my life. And I think Crescent with your search that you're talking about and, and companies that support our lifestyle, it's making it easier for us because they're at all of these tools are at our hands and we're in a huge innovation time when it comes to hand tools, like the shears you just mentioned, we didn't have those back when my dad was alive and he was doing all his DIY stuff. You know, we we're living in the golden age, I think of DIY. And you go, Oh, absolutely. This is the fastest technology advancement in hand tools that there's ever been. And the materials we're making them with that Crescent's making them with, man, they're knocking it out of the park. You, you, you talk, we touched on DIY. And so Crescent looking into the future, like how do we get more people to use our tools? Right? Well, the way, the way to keep that alive is to help educate people via Renovation Hunters, um, which is a new series um, that I was fortunate enough to host. It's an Outdoor Channel original. 
and that Crescent's the title on. And what we're doing is we're trying, my vision for this show is probably very similar to how you grew up. When I grew up, my whole family sat at a table together. We sat down at that table. There was a prayer said, nobody said a word. We all sat there. We ate, we talked, we communicated the whole family. There was laughter. There were serious conversations. There was, you know, across the board, but the whole family sat there and we communicated. You go look at how many families don't eat at a table now, right? Mm -hmm. So then my other vision was, I remember that we would all go to my Uncle Ralph's cabin and down in Georgia, in the mountains of Georgia. We, we would all go there and family from all over, from my mama's side, everywhere, all of our cousins, our aunts, our uncles, we would all go there. And that's, that's some of the best memories I had was my vacations with my family. There's stuff that happened I will never forget. My Uncle Ralph had a uh, crow call and my oldest brother, Eddie, had uh, was had walked down to the other uh, camper, but was coming back. Uncle Ralph got in the bushes and hid and blew that crow call. And my brother was 14 years old and peed his britches. I mean, he come running into camp, his pants were wet. It was the, one of the funniest things. You, you have to see it to understand it, but it's just those kind of memories. So my thought with Renovation Hunters is, I know that there's a lot of hunting camps, fishing camps, or just plain vacation camps. Don't have to be hunter, don't have to be fishermen, just outdoor lovers, right? That get passed down, but are not always taken care of, right? So the, either the family's being passed down, didn't have the money to do it, time to do it, or whatever. So here's what we come up with. Here's the ideology around Crescent's renovation hunter is that we have people send us in compelling videos of why we should come renovate their hunting camp, fishing camp, vacation, getaway. We're not doing their home. We want to do the place that gets people outdoors, that brings families together. And in every one of them, we do a custom dining room table that is unbelievable. Every one of them is different. Every one of them is one of a kind. And this gives people a reason to go be proud and sit at that table and families to gather around it and families to join each other and keep them in the outdoors to keep our sports alive, to keep conservation going at a high point. And here's the great thing is it does not cost these people $1. This is a free renovation. Every wow. other renovation show you watch is people paying these people to come in and renovate, right? And you see a six month renovation in about 20 minutes of video of actual video. You see, so you can't get the grasp of it. We're doing three renovations a year, three episodes of renovation. We give you the story behind the family. We give you the story around the town. We give you um, the, the story behind the house, the structure, all the families that live there. And then you see the real thing, the, all the problems we hit, how we overcome it. We give you DIY tips, all sorts of stuff. It is great for our partners who join us in the show and it is great for the people watching it we think it's going to be a huge hit um we feel very excited about it network super pumped about it and they've already announced the second season even though we ain't even ran the first season yet so it starts airing february 24th february 24th so partway through first quarter outdoor channel renovation hunters hosted by hal schaefer or do you have a co-host also yeah i have what well, my buddy uh kevin tarkovich the absolute guru who can fix anything this this guy comes up <laughs> he comes up with ways to problem solve like nobody i've never seen i mean i, I tell people this all the time it truly amazes me i'm i've always been a handy guy right i could pretty much take care of what i need to take care of the house um the problems he overcomes and how he visualizes stuff in his head is unbelievable. So uh, Kevin and I spirit up. We've got a great, great group of DIY people. What we did is we went and found some of the best DIYers that are online that have big followings, right? To help us spread the word. And we made them part of our cast. And then we went and got some specialty people for the heavy lifting and framing and, and carpentry. And I mean, uh, I mean, and but here's the one thing. Every one of them, 
every one of them have a love for the outdoors. And, it, and, and we didn't go look for that. It just naturally happened that way. So if I want my camp renovated, is there a process? Absolutely. If I want to have, have a chance at it? Yes, absolutely. What you do is you give me a video, you send, you, you make a video, you tell us the story. We want a compelling story. That's what we want. We don't want pictures. We want a video with your phone. Don't have to be a camera. Just do it with your phone. Give us your compelling story of, of why you deserve for us to come renovate your camp or your house or your cabin. And then you send it, you go online to outdoorchannel.com forward slash renovation hunters. Outdoorchannel.com forward slash renovation hunters. And there's an upload right there where you can upload all your videos. And we look, I, I looked at every single one. I'm literally hundreds of them. And that's the response that's been amazing. This thing hasn't hit TV yet. And the response just from social media, all the videos we've had come in has been unbelievable. When, when you start renovating a home or you get the, you get the, you know, the video and is there ever a chance that you get there and it can't be done? Do you have to go in and inspect it first to make yes. sure this is a project that can happen? 100% dude. You, you're smart. You're smart. <laughs> because what we do is we pick finalists. We'll pick three finalists for one of the builds. And then we go visit every finalist. And we tell them, look, you have not been selected yet, but you are one of the finalists. But we have to come inspect the, the, the structure. We have to come inspect the structure to make sure that we can come in there and do the job we want to do. Right. We don't want to we want to overachieve. We don't want to underachieve. We don't want to have something happen and not understand the build from a video and not know what we're getting into. We have to make a plan because here's the difference. Every renovation show you see, they renovate this entire house in probably four, six, eight months to a year. We do it in eight days. Wow. Eight days. That's and when you crew. see the transformation that we've done on a 118-year-old house, a 175-year-old cabin, and a 45-year-old cabin, when you see the transformation that we did with our partners and, and our ambassadors, I guarantee you there's not a more talented group of builders, uh, remodelers, furniture builders than Renovation Hunters Group. I would put them up against anybody in the world. It's, any, it's, it's amazing. Eight days. We knocked this out. You talk about teamwork, vision, communication, transparency, execution, strategy. Like it's, it's, it's awesome to know that that stuff really can be done. You know, when you, when you watch a, like an apartment high, a high rise or an apartment set go up, you know, it takes a long time for a construction job, but to think eight days, you can go in and completely refurbish and renovate a house on renovation hunters, outdoorchannel.com forward slash renovation hunters issue your videos. You can, <clears throat> I want to know though, Hal Schaefer, can you let anything out of the bag? Any secrets of any NASCAR celebrities or country music singers, or is Colt Ford going to sing a duet with somebody on the front step when somebody opens the door to their new cabin? What, what do we got going on? So we do every show we bring in a country music singer and they perform for the town in which we're in and our builders. Wow. Um, that's so cool. that's in the middle of things. So that's really cool. Uh, we always go get the history of the town. We, we do a lot of filming around the town. It, it, it is, it is a history lesson, a DIY and an entertainment. I mean, it's, it's just a fun, really fun thing to do. We're going to have, yes, this coming year, um, we're going to have some MMA stars. We're going to have some outdoor stars. We're going to have some NASCAR stars. We're going to have some football stars. Um, we're going to have a lot of special guests going into this coming year. And we, we learned a lot in the first year. The second year, we are so excited to up the game even that much more. Our partners are jumping on board. We're going to be able to do bigger and better things. But I cannot wait for you guys to see what we did to these places. It is absolutely breathtaking. I'm very proud of it. Well, congratulations. I'm excited to see it February 2000.
23 exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. This is the type of show that can be cutting edge in several ways. One, of course, giving back. I can guarantee if I know Hal Schaefer that military will be involved in this in one way or the other in episodes and renovations. And then as far as a voice for this culture of the American hunter and the outdoorsman, outdoors woman and fishers and, and like I said, conservationists and gatherers and providers, um, what a way to show how the heart of a hunter gives back even more, hopefully gaining the interest of other platforms like the great Ted Nugent has done in the last six months oh, on man. some big time national stuff. Oh, we, man, we, we need more voices out there to show how, how delicate and how special and how authentic and legitimate this lifestyle truly is. And for renovation hunters to come along with a, uh, a title sponsor of Crescent tool group and, and to say, Hey, look, we care about your camp. We care about the legacy of your family, the trailblazers that came before you and your great grandpa and grandma and your grandpa and grandma and your mom and your dad. And we want to make sure that this cabin and this hunt camp and this boat dock and this John boat stay in your family for another 10 decades, 50 decades. That's what we need. Get it, Chad. Uh, here's another thing. We don't just renovate. If it is a true hunting camp and they have property there, one of the places we went and totally redid. Uh, we brought in expedition land management and we came in and we redid food plots. We, we hedge cut trees. We opened trails. We, we made blocks to create funnels. What we did is come in and make the whole experience in the outdoors better. We have a company. These guys are, oh my gosh, Mike and Camper. These guys are incredible. And, and, they have truly fell in love with their Crescent tools because they are making the most state-of-the-art hunting blinds that is specifically made for wherever we're going. Like we had one place that the only place they hunted was in a national forest. You can't build a blind there. You can't put a ladder stand, right? You can only do removable stuff. So but as you know, what I do is getting kids, young kids involved in hunting, taking them and putting them in a deer stand and letting them freeze to death is not the way to accomplish it. Nope. So they make these blinds, and I'm not going to give it all away, but they're off-grid blinds. I guess that's what I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. If you want to see the most cool, technologically advanced hunting blind that is built specifically for your area, these boys that own the spot outdoors do something I've never seen anybody else do. And literally everybody at every build that we've had grown men cry like children, women cry, tears flowing. It absolutely did everything we wanted to do with, I, we had, um, you know, we talked about families separating and not spending time together at one of the builds one of the sons had moved away and he came back for this to spend time at the cabin. And when it was all over, we were interviewing him and we, and he goes, you know, I was the son that moved away. I almost can't say it without crying. He says, I was the son that moved away. I moved away from my mom, my dad. I moved away from the rest of my brothers, my sisters, my family. He goes, and coming here, and watching you guys do this for us and spending time with you guys and your passion for this and seeing how my mom and dad literally got up and danced during the song and embraced everybody big and cooked you guys great big dinners and the camaraderie tears were pouring down his face. He says, I see, I made a mistake. He says, it's brought me back home. And I looked at my partners and, and Kevin I looked at him. I said, we could not do another one mission complete. If wow. you can affect one family, if you can change and bring a family closer together, just one, just one, you've made a giant accomplishment that it's, that it's just so hard to do in this day and time at the speed this world is turning. I love it. I, I'm serious. That's, it's awesome. I was listening to Eric Church sing Homeboy when you were talking about that guy. Oh, yeah. Come on, come on, come on, homeboy. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's just family and, and hunting and heritage and legacy. What a great way to bring it together by preserving something 
that might not be able to be preserved by the, with the means of the family at the time. And I think that that gives the next generation hope that that camp will still be there for them. It's just an awesome feeling and it's a feel good. It's a, the heart of a hunter and I commend you on it and all of the partners and sponsors that are stepping up to the plate, as well as the Outdoor Sportsman's Group and the Outdoor Channel for airing such an awesome and innovative cutting edge show like Renovation Hunters. Again, OutdoorChannel.com forward slash Renovation Hunters. Get your video in so Hal can dissect it and see if you qualify to become Let's make sure we have this right. A finalist to where then you'll get contacted. They will come inspect your camp before they pick the winner who will have their camp renovated out of those three finalists. What a great concept. I'm proud to see Crescent as the title sponsor. Thank you for being on the show. Crescent tools, righty tighty, lefty Lucy. That's at least how I learned it. Hal for any closing words, my man. Hey buddy. Only thing I want to know is how's the foul life. Uh, I mean, real quickly, I know season's kicking off. Are you having a good time out there? <laughs> man, man, when it comes to production values and, and you guys capturing waterfowl like nobody else does. I mean, the stuff you catch is National Geographic quality. Yeah, I mean, that's what you think. Um, how's it going out there? Uh, it's been unreal. I just got back from um, – we started in Texas, and we got on the Blue Wing Teal in El Campo, and then we um, – got to go to New York. And again, I get emotional and sentimental about this too, but we got to uh, share 10 or 12 days in camp, 10 of them hunting. Cause we got rained out twice um, with FDNY firefighters, firefighters that are our age that were 21, 22 years old on nine 11, that their first day on the job was nine 11. Their first 15 months on the job was standing on that pile of rubble at ground zero and uncovering looking for survivors and uncovering the perished. And, and now what we're trying to do, Hal Schaefer, is we're trying to still bring awareness, one, to keep that date in everybody's mind because it's so important. And it's not, being talked, it's not being talked about enough. And two, there's a lot of fire. There's 343 firefighters that perished on 9-11. 377 firefighters have perished since due to cancer. I should say first responders, a lot of them being firefighters. They're, 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 they're 45 to 51 years old and they're dying. And they're, they got kids that are not even 10 years old yet. They're in marriages. Their families are being left behind because of what happened on that horrific day. So we wanted to, we're going to continue to go back to New York and work with FDNY. We got to go to the Harlem Fire Ladder 30, Engine 49 house, work it for three days. How they've made duck jambalaya in the firehouse for us and we were making oh, it work. My gosh. Th this place is called the Harlem Zoo because of how they back in the day these firefighters would give themselves alter egos of a lion and a tiger and a stallion and this and that. So we're eating out of dog bowls. They went to home they went to PetSmart or something and they actually have dog bowls and we're dishing this duck jambalaya into these bowls and all of a sudden the sirens go off and the bell goes off and here we are in a call. So my uh firefighter Bo Hodges starts putting foil on top of every bowl of jambalaya. I said, Hey, what are you doing? He goes, if, if, if one, if all can't eat, none of us eat. And he says, we won't eat until they all get back. And I said, well, what if it's a three hour fire fight? They said, it don't matter. It'll be cold when we eat it. We'll warm it up. And I said, Holy that's smokes. Awesome. That's awesome. That's right? So, yeah. That's so that's the kind of things that keep humbling me and, and that it's such an honor about what hunting can do to hunt with those men and then go down and see what they faced in 9-11. And then we worked with NYPD. They took us out in a harbor boat to see the Liberty, to see Ellis Island, to see the Brooklyn Bridge, to see the new Freedom Tower, which is unbelievable. I know you've seen it, but man, America is awesome. New York City's awesome. I'm not saying I could live in Manhattan, but the culture and, and to know that those fine people are in that city protecting it. Um, so yeah, the foul life's off to a great start. We're headed to California this week to hunt with the president and CEO of SCI, Laird Hamberlin. And, nice. um, and, and we're going to get ready for some great trips. We're going to be in 13 more States this season. And then hopefully we'll see you in Nashville in February for NWTF. And then the SCI national convention is the week after right there in Nashville. Okay. So real quick, before we go, let's make a pack. You and I, Yep. we have 50,000 acres in, um, Nebraska, 22 lakes on it. It doesn't get duck hunted through October is covered with blue wings. I mean, it cinnamon teals. I mean, um, pintails, we have ducks galore. It never gets hunted. Let's find a way to take care of some more of these people up there next year. We got a beautiful place for them to stay. Let's figure it out. Yeah, let's do it. Let's bring some warriors up there, some firefighters. I'd love that. I appreciate that. Heck yeah. That's, well, buddy, that, that's, that'll be next. That'll be next fall. 
Yep. Well, thank yeah. you so much for having me on, buddy. It's, it is 100% an honor to be on this podcast with you. Thank you for everything you do for Crescent and for the outdoors. Thank you, Hal Schaefer, Crescent Tools, Righty Tidy, Lefty Lucy. We're going to have more episodes with Hal. We're going to bring Hal back with the great Chad Money Mendes. Chad's on another hunt. The guy hunts more than anybody I know. Um, I just don't know how he does it. He's killed a massive bull elk. You guys follow Chad Mendez at Chad Mendez on Instagram. He's got it going on when it comes to living off the land. That's why he is an ambassador and an influencer for Crescent Tool Group. Thank you, Hal. We'll be back with another episode of Crescent Tools right here at the Foul Life Podcast. Righty Tidy, Lefty Lucy brought to you by the iconic brand Crescent Tools. Get some tools in your hand, get handy, build something, feel good about yourself, or go build something for somebody that's in need. I just saw a guy that built a stairwell for a guy at 87 years old, and he didn't have the time or the resources to build his stairwell up to his house. And a guy took it upon himself to go buy all the materials and build it with a buddy. That's what America's all about. That's what Crescent Tools is all about. Thank you to my co-host, Hal Schaefer. We'll be back at you with another episode. In the meantime, check out the song. It's called My Foul Life, 2 a.m. Logic. See you guys.